Hello. In this episode, Mark is sharing his path from New York all the way to the old continent. Listen how his adventures from Los Angeles, London, Hong Kong, and Paris shaped him as the person he is today. Learn what asset management means. And listen how he shares some great advice on taking risk and living abroad early in your career. Enjoy. Okay, Mark, uh, thanks a lot for joining my podcast. So it would be awesome if you could give the listeners a short summary of the bio. Okay, well, thank you for inviting me. I'm quite happy to be here. Uh, so my name is Mark Barry. I've been living, I'm 54 almost. In November, I'll be 54. Correct. <laughs> I will be um, living abroad now for the past 30 years. I actually, I started my, my studies. I did my initial studies to be a commercial airline pilot. That was my dream since I was a little boy. Uh, I did it, I completed it. And unfortunately, when I started to work, I had some health problems with my sinuses, so I had to give it up. So I reinvented myself uh, to the first time to Mark 2.0 and uh, went to work for an American investment bank in New York City, which I worked there for about 18 months. And then I got accepted into uh, an international MBA program in California. So I moved out to Los Angeles, great opportunity. Um, as part of that, I came to France to do an internship where I did my internship at uh, the company that owns Charles de Gaulle Airport. Uh, so it was quite, uh, quite an interesting. I kept the, the, um, the fun of the aviation, but was doing project work at the, at the airport. Uh, when my MBA was done, I was supposed to go back to work for the American Bank in New York. But after having been in Paris that time for about a year, I uh, decided I wanted to stay stay abroad, so I got a job uh, working for the bank in in, uh, in Paris, France. Uh, initially, I was working in a team that was sort of like an internal consulting group, which was a great opportunity because they gave me uh, the chance to see all different parts of the investment banking and private banking uh, arena, um, and eventually stayed with them until the late 90s when I had the opportunity with uh, three friends to start uh, an internet uh, startup. We started uh, an internet uh, bank, the first internet bank uh, in France, a truly internet bank, so there was no brick and mortar. Uh, we did that uh, quite well, we were quite happy, all things were going well. We had an investor who over the term of the life gave us uh, equivalent of a 1 billion French francs, so that was 165 million euros. Uh, and things went well up until September 11th, when the world changed for, for many people, including ourselves, and our investor needed to pull out his money. So he sold his, his shares to an, um, a UK internet bank, and eventually we sold our shares, and we all left by 2004. After that, I spent a, a short stint at a, a British bank um, in, in Paris, and then eventually to my current job, which I've been there now over 15 years, which is a French asset manager. Um, and initially starting off as head of operations, global head of operations. Now I'm head of a global client service. So a, quite, a, quite a bigger range and changes, changes over the past 30 years. And that's where we are as of today. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff, Mark. And you, so you've been, um based uh, in, in the states on the mm -hmm. on the east on the west 
yes. Europe. Yes, uh, and uh, I forgot to mention your fact. Thank you for reminding me that I, I'm based here in Paris. But uh, when you work in finance, you spend a lot of time. And I did live a while in London, part of my role. And then in 2011, 2012, with my current company, I had the fantastic opportunity to live in Hong Kong. Yeah, um, we're gonna touch that. Um, I had Albert on my podcast, and uh, we were discussing about London and New York. As those uh, cities are like uh, alpha plus plus cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are a young professional, these, these are the places where you should be. So I, you've been. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, okay, 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 Mark. So um, let's start all the way back. First of all, congrats on your. Um, background i mean mm-hmm. uh it it sounds really cool um you wanted to be a pilot yet investment banking is more profitable or what? <laughs> well <No>? well yes <laughs> you're, you're right no there's many different things i mean when when you're young and you have a dream and you go through uh your studies and you come you arrive at your diploma and you arrive at your achievement sometimes the reality doesn't necessarily fit what you expected of it. And although I would have been happy to stay in aviation, there was physical reasons why I couldn't. So I had to reinvent myself and, and change, uh, change it. I could have gone to work for an airline in some sort of managerial, but I thought to myself, well, first of all, I guess I'd find it a little bit depressing, whereas I wanted to fly the plane, and now I'd be sitting in an office watching the plane take off. And then in another way, you're, you're right, is, uh, you know, studies in the United States, for example, are much, much more expensive than other countries. And you have to pay that. And as a student, I had taken some loans. I had scholarships, but I had some loans to pay off. And eventually, uh, financial, financial services, investment banking, did pay much more than working for an airline. So the, the choice was a little bit clear at that point. Okay. Um- Good thing you, you touched the, the, I mean, so you graduated with um, quite a, a student debt. Yeah, I mean, especially in, in the States, it's quite difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks to that or because of that, uh, what was your approach? I mean, uh, when you're looking for a job, I mean, were you quite relaxed? Okay, I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna, did you, did you have this pressure of, okay, I need to find a job. I need to find a, a really well-paid job just to get rid of my student debt. What was your thought process at the time? I would say it certainly does add pressure because you know that you have to pay a loan, a loan back on a monthly basis. But it wasn't necessarily my only criteria. I wasn't going to take a job just to to get the money to to do that to uh, to pay off my loan. I, I looked at well, one, I knew I wanted to stay in, in this country, and that was my first criteria. Would a, would a company help me stay in this country? Now, I was fortunate. I have a dual citizenship with Ireland. So that reduced the pressure because with the European Union, I was able to stay. So that took away pressure that I, I can look for a company. And I wanted an American company because uh, I, I'm American. <laughs> and I thought it would be easier to adapt into the, the work culture. Uh, and so I found an international company um, based here in Paris that uh, wanted me, had uh, good opportunities. Uh, as I really wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do, I really liked the idea of working within the internal consulting group 
because that allowed me the opportunity to do that. So more or less, I did have a slight pressure to find find a job in order to pay to pay the bills, but uh, I had the the leisure to to pick a job that I thought would be going in the right direction for me. Okay, cool. So so you're in New York. You're working for this uh, amazing bank. You already finished your your MBA, or you're gonna. No, when I when I was working in New York, I do what a lot of New Yorkers do. I started to do an MBA at night, you know, going to work and then at night going to classes, and that was not working for me. Yeah, I I'm a person that needs to sit in the room uh, during school hours because one, when you're working, if you have a, a deadline, you cannot pick up and leave and go to class at night. And if you can't give your full attention to your education, I don't think it's worth spending the money. So I spoke to my boss at that point, and uh, I had gotten a scholarship to go out to California uh, to, to do this international business uh, degree in M- M- MIB slash MBA. And they agreed to let me take a leave of absence to go do this. And as part of that, I got to go to France. So I preferred to, to go full time. For me, it was just the, the way I am. Okay. And uh, why did you, did you want to do an MBA? Well, that's a very good question. I ask myself now, was it worth it? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, why I want to do an MBA is because in the 1990s in New York, in finance, if you wanted to go up the ladder within a company, you needed to have those three letters after, you, after your name and your diploma. So that was one thing to push me to- towards it. I think it was a fantastic experience, primarily because of the people I've met and my classmates and my, my, my professors. We had some really interesting professors. But in practice, when I look back and I said, was it worth the money? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it really depends on what you get out of it. My thing is, it didn't matter the money because it was just the people I met and the experiences I have. And if it wasn't for this MBA, I wouldn't have got to France. And I, I would never have thought, imagined myself, yeah, exactly, there you go, see the flag. Uh, I see you like France too. I, I would never have imagined myself 40 years ago when I was in high school thinking one day I'd be living on the other side of the pond in here in Europe. Would you advise other younger professionals to do an MBA? Do you think it's still the same thing? I think it's a very personal decision because every individual is different. Okay, yeah. And some people need to have the additional education to help them down the road whether it be from just confidence. Sometimes people lack the confidence to go for a job, but they get the confidence when they actually get the diploma. There's other people who gain a lot of knowledge from it. There's other people who are just born to be successful leaders and have, have it inherent in their DNA and maybe do not need the diploma uh, because they, they have the way of doing it. So it's, uh, I think it's a, personal, it's a personal thing for each person. But I would say that if you're going to do an MBA, it's the question of timing, when to do it. Uh, if you, I did it very early on, primarily because I was not really sure where I wanted to go and I thought it would be a way to give me direction and it, and it did help me. But I think going, looking back, I think I would have waited a couple of more years when I had more experience in the workplace to be able to challenge things during the classes we had in, in, in the master's level. 
So, uh, but every individual is, is, is different. There were people in the class when I was in my early 20s, there were people in the, their late 30s, early 40s doing the MBA in the same class, and each of us got something out of it very different. Right, right. Um, before, before going next, would you have some knowledge to share here? I mean, in, in terms of uh, working in New York, you know, in a big bank, how do you call these banks? I mean, uh, bulge brackets. What do you have to share over here? Okay, you, you've done that. And? Well, first of all, um, the, the best thing, and I think that the, one of the most important things for anybody is the idea of changing places. Picking up, moving, new, experiencing new cultures, uh, meeting new people, new ways of thinking. And even from the East Coast of the United States to the West Coast of the United States, that's practically going across a continent, but it's going across a continent. But there's very big mentality differences even between those two areas. Then moving over to France, you have the, the language challenge, you have the, the cultural challenge. And then even 500 kilometers or even less than 500 kilometers from Paris, you go to London, very different, very different people, different ways of looking at the same problem, different approaches. So um, I think that the, the idea of uh, picking up and moving, it, especially at a young age, well, at any age, we're, we're never too old to, to, to change and adapt. Uh, that's, that's one of the best things uh, that you could do is really experience. And if you have the opportunity to go abroad for education, for your job, I would certainly seize, seize the opportunity because you'll, nev you'll never regret it. Even though sometimes it might be hard. I know when I first arrived in France, I wasn't a big fan, to be yeah. very honest. I was, uh, I was young, I was lonely, uh, I didn't speak the language. Uh, I didn't like the food because I'm not a big cheese person. You know, I was, uh, you know, looking for McDonald's and they, they, they nah. didn't. <laughs> but in the end, after, after I stayed here six, after six months, I really started to open my heart up uh, to the culture. I started to learn the language. Uh, I now speak fluently. I have a very thick New York or Brooklyn accent when I speak French, but um, you know, it's a great opportunity and I, I'm very happy to be, be here. And the same thing happened when I went to live in Asia. I always, I really loved Hong Kong and the opportunity that I had there was during more or less during financial crisis periods when it was sort of difficult. And the one thing I loved about the, the Hong Kong Chinese was their work ethic is that they always work harder. They worked harder because they, they felt that in a crisis, if we get down, it would just get worse. You have to work harder. And, and it was very inspiring, very inspiring. And again, I never thought 30, 40 years ago that I would have had the opportunity to live there. And I came back completely, completely uh, motivated and enthralled about work and work and working even more abroad than I had been before. I was listening to another podcast, and um, a guy was was saying that it's difficult to move and change places, and we find more reasons not to move. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, which is uh, interesting. Um, so um, you moved fr from, from the States, you moved to, to Europe, uh, you're based in Paris. There, there's a company called Aéroport de Paris, ADP, yeah. that owns the, the, the two major airports in, in Paris, Charles de Gaulle and Orly. And so uh, my internship was working in the real estate department 
at Charles de Gaulle Airport, looking on how we could use um, the, the land around the airport that wasn't being used yet for future runways and do studies. Uh, could we use it for like uh, uh, plants and flowers? Then also at that time, they were building some new buildings uh, at the airport, working on how to commercialize them to try to attract foreign companies to come, come there. So it was quite an interesting job. The, the difficult part was it was a very, very French company and my French was non, non-existent. So it was very, very, very tough. But it was, uh, it was a great experience because it challenged me. It, it brought me to my fear, my fear of not being accepted or understood with the, with the people around me. Uh, they didn't understand me, <laughs> uh, but they were kind and they helped me. And eventually uh, I, I got to learn the language better and better. And, and then eventually we were able to listen to it. Okay, so after you finished um, uh, working in the aviation, aviation you, mm-hmm. you went back to, to the same bank in Paris? Yes, I went back to the same bank. Uh, I was supposed to go back to New York. And, uh, you know, as I said, would, that was more or less a year now that I had been in France. And I sort of fell in love with the, the living abroad and uh, in particular living and, and working in, in Paris. So I asked if I could get a job in, in Paris. And that they, they fortunately, I had to wait a little while until they found the right job. Uh, and I got the job in Paris. And uh, it was probably the best thing to happen to me because one, it got me to stay here. Yeah. What was the thought process of, I mean, it's a big decision, isn't it? Moving from, from New York to, to Paris, you, you were alone. Um, yeah. Did you have so many resources back then? I mean, going on the internet, going on I any, any platforms? platforms just to uh, do your research I mean especially when it comes to France yeah I mean working in France and uh, you know French uh, yeah it's not it's not that easy how did you um, I assume you had colleagues so you reached out to colleagues within the bank okay guys how is it uh, how how's the office in Paris uh, is it uh, what are the conditions you would think so but I didn't <laughs> you didn't No, because I didn't know anybody really at that point. And plus, I was a junior type of person. So how it all really worked out is my initial move was to California. So that for me was an easy move because it's in the same culture. And it was in an environment with school, university. Right. So you're, you're there with people more or less your own age. The range was from the mid-20s to the late 30s. And we all had the common interest to do our MBA. So actually, when I said I came alone, I was alone because I didn't have my family, but I actually had 20 some odd colleagues who were in the same situation, who lived all different places in Paris, okay? Uh, and um, effectively, we didn't have the internet like you did today. We, even if you look at the computers, we didn't have laptops. <laughs> you know, this, we, we, didn't, we had the old mobile phones that were really long, et cetera. If you had a mobile phone, I, I didn't have a mobile phone. Uh, a lot of the, the uh, any kind of research we did was just primarily looking at books and, and, and trying to understand. And I guess I thought to myself, it's coming to France for a year. It'll be an experience. I don't know what to expect. I wasn't afraid because I knew I, I could always go home if it didn't work out. I could go home to live with my parents or whatever. Um, but um, it, was, uh, it was a little bit all by chance. It was uh, taking a risk, and I, I like the idea. Skin in the game, no? 
Yeah, exactly. But as, as you said earlier, Stefan, uh, one of your, your friends or colleagues had said, it's harder as you get older. And I, I, I would agree with that. And that's why I think if you're young, and you're young, you don't have the same types of pressures as you do when you're older. Uh, so you, you can pick up and you can leave and, and do different things. And as we get older, people have a tendency then to buy houses and they have things which will anchor them, anchor them into, into a place where they are, where they have a, you know, a wife or, or, or husband and then they have children and then it's not the same dynamics. When you're young, this is, it's great. You can pick up uh, and do whatever you want and go wherever it is and not take the same type of risks. It's interesting. So you, you've been mentioning you already had your friends from, from school, right? So you didn't have internet, but you had friends. You had, you had a network. Let's call it like that. How important mm -hmm. was for you having these, uh, these people around you? Oh, it was your complete support structure. Because uh, when, you, when you're away far from your family in a new country where you don't speak the language, it can be depressing very quickly. So either you, um, you have people that you can, you can uh, speak with who could support you during those low periods, or you have the type of personality. And there's plenty of people out there who have personalities that are you know, very strong and can just pick up and, and, and march, mark, uh, walk, walk away and, and do different things. <clears throat> I, I'm not a weak person. I don't think I'm a weak person. I have, uh, you know, if I was down, I used to just pick up and walk the streets of Paris. Because one, no matter how bad you feel or depressed you might be, when you walk the streets of Paris, you see all this history and this beauty that it, you brings a smile to my face anyhow. But it's always nice to have friends and somebody you can call and speak to. So that support structure was very nice. What had happened though is in the end, after everybody graduated, we were 20 some odd students and from like 10 different countries, everybody went. And then you found yourself a little bit alone, uh, but then I had my job, so I made different friends. But um, it's, it's always good to have some sort of a support structure, somebody you can count on. Right, right. So you're living in Paris. Uh, what was it like um, being a professional in Paris? Well, let's put it this way. It was a big change than going from, from California, where at that point, I had a, shared a house, a three-bedroom house with two roommates, to come to Paris to a small 30-square-meter apartment for the same price I was paying for a 150-square-meter apartment or house in, in California. So that was a very big, very big change. From a work aspect, um, I, the transition from an American company, then doing my internship at a French company, and then going back into, into a, uh, an American work environment in a French uh, subsidiary, uh, I preferred it because I felt more, more at ease because the language at work was more or less English because everything was international. So it was, uh, brought me back a little bit more into my comfort zone. And I, I liked the, the American work ethic of working very hard. And, and you know, we used to work on projects which were great international with Asia, the US and, and Europe. And I would be at work at 6.30 in the morning and we'd get, get out at 11.30 at night. But it didn't matter because it was so much fun and so exciting that I didn't see the time go by. So it was, uh, it was a, a good period. I have very fond memories of, 
my first years in France because of that experience. Would you point out some differences when it comes to work environment? Well, yeah, you know, people had the impression, you know, that the French work less than the Americans, okay? And that's, that's what I had thought, and it was exact opposite. Because when I was working in New York, you'd come into the office at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, but by 5 o'clock, everybody was going home, and we would have dinner very early, okay? In France, generally, everybody uh, would come in about 9, 9.30, but, but they would not leave but until after 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So I, I was really, you know, I had this false impression that it was going to be easy. And so we have all this vacation time. Yes, effectively, there's a lot of vacation time, <laughs> uh, which, was, which was very nice. But I think it's also, I th- also it's, it's normal based on the, 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 the amount of uh, energy that people put into it. So I think the perceptions that I had were sort of false. In, in the end, the, the dynamics were were different but also uh very exciting i think the french in general are very strong technically it's an engineering type of society so they're very good intellectually very smart people good good workers hard workers i think uh, like americans uh they just get a bad rap some people don't think that they they are, are as efficient as they are so you're an american expat living the life in paris Uh, mm-hmm. following Hemingway and the company. What's next? That's a good question. Um, you also arrive, well, everybody's different. Everybody has different desires. I, I think at this point now, I, I'm 54. I have about 10 years, a little bit less than 10 years until I retire. I actually okay. like what I do. Uh, I love my job. I have uh, responsibly over 16 countries. I I'm very fortunate to have good team members. So I'm pretty quite content, which is sort of strange with what I have today. Um, that being said, if an opportunity, opportunity arises for a new challenge, maybe I would be interested uh, you know, within the, within the same company because I really love my company. I think it's a, it's a good company. They're a uh, very, um, very good employer that take care of their clients, that take care of their people. And I think when you're, I've arrived at a, a stage where I found contentment. Wow, with what I what I do, and focus maybe a little bit more on my next stages of life after I, I have to give up my professional career in 10 years' time. I think that's a really a really interesting subject. Uh, being happy and loving your job. How do you know you're loving your job? I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting, no? You know, on the spot, or just looking back, and you know what? I really enjoyed my uh, my time spent uh, spent for working for that company. How I think did it? how do you know it? Well, I think it's it's exactly what you just said. When you think back, and you if you think back and you smile, I think that's already a good sign. I do I, I do not believe the only, I only had one bad experience with one company. Uh, just before the one I just worked here, they only stayed a little bit less than a year because it really was not uh, not a place for me. It just it was not at all it. Otherwise, I think the fact is that if you have learned something and you have developed personally and you've met people that you're still speaking to 20, 30 years down the road, that's a pretty good sign that you you like the job. Now for me, the fact that I can go, wake up every morning 
and not be scared or sick or not feel well about going to, to work, if you have any kind of like fears about it, then that's a very bad sign. I mean, work is one third of your day, generally speaking, one third of your life. If you are not enjoying it and, it's, and you're suffering, then don't let it happen. You know, learn from it now and, and quickly change and do something. Nothing is worth uh, harming yourself uh, just, for the, just for the job or for the money. So for me, it's just the fact is that I really smile every morning when I think I have to go back into the office or, or I'm going to have my call with my, con con my Hong Kong colleagues every Thursday morning at 8.30. It's my, my, my bright spot of the week because it's one of my favorite teams. You know, and I, I look forward to them, look forward to them. And, and I've, I've been very fortunate over my career. I have met many nice people, uh, a, a good amount of people that I'm still in contact, contact with 30 years down the road. So the, the next phase for me is more or less focusing on me, meaning uh, I think career-wise, I've done what I achieved, what I wanted to achieve as far as a career. Uh, I will continue to work as long as I can. And as long as I'm challenged and enjoy what I'm doing, if I don't enjoy it, just what I just said earlier, I'm not going to pick up and, st and stay in the, the company. But I didn't plan to go to Hong Kong and I didn't plan to love it as much as I did. So who knows what's going to happen next year. Maybe there'll be another opportunity elsewhere and uh, I will be open to, to thinking about what happens there. So I don't know really. And it, that's the nice thing about it is it's the surprise factor which can come up in a year's time. It could actually come up tomorrow. You never know. Cool, cool, uh, Mark. But let's let's touch uh, Hong Kong. We didn't we didn't touch uh, what? Didn't touch Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, how did it happen? Um, yeah. uh, well, it was actually I went went there for work with my company on a small like a uh, project for about a month to help. And when I got there, it ended up being much more complicated. So my boss asked me to stay. It wasn't even my, it wasn't my, my project. I just happened to participate in the meeting on a project that was over, was running late. And then I realized having sat into it is that you had our, our team in Paris, another team in London, a team in Australia and a team in, in Hong Kong, all thinking they were saying the same thing with this project. And in the end they had different understandings. So I, uh, my boss asked me to stay to, uh, to help coordinate and translate all those different people to make sure that they were speaking the same language, which is what I did. And it was a fantastic opportunity. It was, uh, I, I think any young person who has the opportunity to go abroad uh, to someplace such as Hong Kong or Asia in general, it, it's such a vastly different culture you know, picking up from New York and coming to Paris, yes, if you have uh, different languages or you, you have a different way of uh, doing things, but you have a commonality, you know, the languages which are very close, you know, uh, and you go to Asia, uh, Hong Kong is a little bit special because it's very English, but you go to Asia and there, there's just so much energy and s such creativity uh, it, it was fantastic. And I think, you know, you know a, a, a time in Asia is always very, very beneficial. How was for you adapting and changing your um, personal life over there? 
in, in, oh, in, in, in Asia, well, in Hong Kong in particular, and I think with the same would apply for Singapore, it's very easy because there's a large, large expat population. So there's a lot of people in the same situation. They're there for work and they're, uh, they, what happens is you go out, you go out, <laughs> you go out to a bar, you go out to a restaurant and you, uh, yeah, there you go. You have your wine. They, uh, at the time when I was there, it was with the rugby world cup. And that, that was a fantastic opportunity because I went out one evening to a bar at a pub, uh, an English pub and the, watched the rugby. And in the end, there was a bunch of different people, uh, who eventually became friends. Uh, and because they were all in a similar situation, they were there for work or they had just moved their families and, uh, you, you, uh, you had an easy way of meeting people. Uh, you know, of course, those are special circumstances. If it was maybe a different place, different time, I might not have been as uh, good of a, uh, uh, an experience, but it was an experience I certainly never regretted. And I think back at it a lot and saying, wow, that was fantastic. I did so much, learned so much, met so many nice people, uh, and I, I grew as a person, and I grew professionally uh, from these experiences abroad. If you would have to compare American mentality, uh, European, especially French, and this time Asian, what would be the main differences? Uh, it's very hard because I think they all have amazing qualities. I think they each have a, a strong commitment to their to their to the work uh they have very good work ethics but there are different ways of different ways of uh showing it you know um in, in asia people worked long hours they really worked long hours i'm not necessarily saying they were more efficient in it but they really put in the amount of time that they they could okay uh i think in the american side they bring the enthusiasm and the motivational side, you know, we can win, we can win. Yes, we can, uh, Obama type of thing. And then the French bring the technicity, yeah. you know, the, the mentality, uh, which I think is, is, very, is, is very good because they're very strong intellectually uh, and particularly in finance, they, the, the French do very well. Uh, and uh, they each had very strong, strong things to bring to it. So I'm not sure I'm answering the question, but, I think uh, that was one of the things that you learn when you work and live abroad is that you pick up a little bit of everything from, from these different cultures. The hard work I, I picked up maybe in Asia, the American enthusiasm came from my culture and then the technicity on being professional coming from my experience in France. So that creates the Mark 3.0 in front of you. <laughs> nicely, nicely said. Um, Let's, let's describe, describe a bit uh, what asset management means for, for mm -hmm. listeners. I mean, I'm an engineer, so most of my, my listeners, they are in technology. Um, let's explain to them what, what asset management means and yeah, investment management, would you? Okay, so I'm gonna be very simple. It means manage your assets. <laughs> <laughs> No, what, Where's what the catch? Where's the catch? Where's the catch? Yeah, sometimes you can badly manage the assets if you if you have bad uh, bad economic downturn. No, quite simply, it is uh, an asset manager will take money from their clients uh, with the goal of making them uh, richer, 
okay? Uh, generally, the types of clients that a firm like ours would have would be large institutional clients who would pool all of the retirement funds money for their, for their employees and would need to invest it in such a way that would guarantee a, um, a payment at the end of each month to pay the, the retired people. Okay, so the, 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 the role of the asset manager is to uh, accumulate assets for their clients, uh, making them money so that they can pay their underlying clients. So it's, uh, it's quite, a, it's a really exciting field. Uh, you know, uh, I never would have thought when I was studying to be a pilot that I would end up working in finance and, and enjoying it. But when you go in and you, you're, you know that you're taking uh, people's, life savings and you're going to help them build their dreams and you're working on different projects to make sure that it works well and that uh, the challenges that might be faced and the the change in the regulations it's 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 always a challenge and it, it's quite quite exciting and i think uh, uh i think it's a great career opportunity for many different reasons you know engineers can work in uh, in uh, asset management companies. You have financial people. You have people who just uh, uh, maybe not have a background at all in finance. You know, somebody who's who's uh, uh, working in marketing. You know, you have to do. There's every type of role potentially uh, to to have within an asset manager, and it's a very rewarding career. I'm not only talking about financially. I think rewarding from a career per perspective because things change, uh, regulations change, people's change, money, the markets change every day. You, you have to look to see if it's going up and down and you have the ability within, within the asset management to see all of that in one day, maybe the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> the good, the bad, and, and, and the ugly. Um, okay, Mark, um, you've been mentioning um, this internet company you started. Mm -hmm. uh, you started off in, in France. Uh, right. Yes. Let's talk yes. about that too. I mean, I think it's um, particularly for people my age mm -hmm. studying a company, especially in the in the internet uh, field, it's quite mm -hmm. sexy. And mm -hmm. yet, you've been doing that how many years ago? I mean, that was nineteen ninety nine to two thousand four. It was five well, years. So why? Okay, let's 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 touch the subject. Why did you want to start this company? How was the process like? Uh, let's let's elaborate a bit, please. So, so it all came about because of a dinner. <laughs> French wine and... <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, with a, a friend of a friend who had, a, who had an idea he wanted to do. And we all discussed it. And we each, we were four people. And each of us brought four different types of uh, things to the table with different experiences and different, uh, different backgrounds. And we came up with an idea, we presented it, we found a, an investor, and it just seemed to work. And at that point, I was uh, 30 years old, uh, and well, 33, uh, and uh, there was no, no question, it was worth the risk. There was no risk. I mean, if it didn't work, it didn't work. And uh, I've got a, an amazing experience. And it did, it did work, and it didn't work. I mean, in the sense that we had to unfortunately sell uh, so I didn't make the hundreds of millions of euros that I was hoping to make and, and become a, a Mark Zuckerberg. But it was the most amazing experience to start with four people. And by the time we sold, we were 500 people. 
and we had offices in Paris and London and a small office in Madrid. Um, and all that in a very short period of time. Uh, it's also an emotional roller coaster because um, it's a it's not a risk in one way, but it's another risk emotionally because you're putting a lot of time into a company, and if something does go wrong, it really it really affects you. You know, it's really it's really quite hard. But I never regretted it. I never regretted it. It was the the best experience in my life. And I think anybody who has the opportunity to go to a startup, they should really try to, try to think about it. Um, I think it's, 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 you, it's amazing the amount of things you can get done with so little resources when you have so many people motivated around a common goal. And that's the one thing about an internet company or a startup company, it doesn't even have to be on the internet, a startup company is that if you have a bunch of people who share the same passion and same vision, you can do anything. Right, right. Um, how did you manage to, to have this mindset? I mean, approaching failure like, um, like an experience that you've learned from? I don't know. I think, I th I think when, when you're faced with failure and it hits you in the face, you have no choice but to deal with it. Okay? Yeah, but yeah. having this mindset, I mean, being happy about it and... and And I'm sure next time you will have this mindset, okay, you know what, I'm going to take the risk because no matter what, if I'm going down, it's going to be a, a, yet a, another good thing for me when you are young, of course. I think it, I think it comes down to individual personalities. <clears throat> There's people who are depressed people. There are people who focus on the positives. I mean, if, uh, if, if when a project fails, you take it to the point that you, you, cannot, uh, you cannot look at the good points of it and learn from it, then you're destined to fail again. And I think you know, with every failure that happens, <clears throat> I've had lots of successes and I've had lots of failures, but with each failure, I've learned something to help grow for the next time to be able to, to change and, and do things differently. So maybe it's just my personal Uh, personality that is, is a little bit more positive. Uh, but I think generally speaking, uh, people, people who take chances and take risks are people who can hopefully handle the idea of the potential failure because it's going to happen. Nothing, there's no dream that ever, over a hundred, uh, everything comes a hundred percent true. Uh, and, and if it did, it wouldn't be any fun. Right, right. Did you have, so you had your network, but what about mentorship? Were you actively looking for people to reach out and ask questions and asking for help, uh, mm -hmm. particularly when you're young? Did, did you had such opportunity to find people willing to help you throughout your, your, your career? Uh, I, I have always been very fortunate. Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with luck. I mean, I had my internal inspiration, my family, with my grandmother, who was very, very close, very, was very close to her. And, and the work, work aspect is that um, when I got hired in my first job here in France, is I was very fortunate to work for a very intelligent woman who more or less helped manage my career. Okay, when I say that is that she was a very effective manager. She... Uh, She was always present. She was willing to help 
give guidance. And she was also very strong in her abil ability to read what we call reading people, understanding people's, uh, what they can and cannot do. And she effectively, at the beginning of my career, helped me by saying, I believe you can do this. And I was like, I can't do this. And she said, yes, you can. This is why. And then if I needed assistance or whatever, she helped me with the training or the right people. And I, I, throughout my career, I've always fallen into a situation where I've had uh, managers who were managers. They helped manage the, their teams, meaning myself and other people. And that's what I try to do as a manager is that uh, I, I spend the time to get to know each of my team members. Uh, first thing I did is I learned to do their jobs because if you cannot do the job of somebody working for you, then it's gonna be very hard for them to have some sort of respect. They'll just think that you're the manager and you don't wanna do that. Second thing is I spend a lot of time getting to know the people and then therefore you can help them, uh, you can help them uh, develop uh, even better. And I've been always fortunate to find these type of managers. In, in my case, I, I had the luck to meet a really nice, uh, nice manager when I started off as a young professional. And I, I mean, I'm still paying dividends for the mentor that he has been to me. And I really consider it super important having such, such people mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. guide you at the beginning, and not just at the beginning, but uh, throughout your career. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. It's important. Uh, it's important to meet inspirational people. And, and effectively, the, each of my mentors, they inspired me for different reasons. Yeah. You know, even though I have changed companies and changed roles, I'm still in contact with them because they effectively impacted my life in a way that helped me become the person I am today. And, and also inspired me to be a manager like them to help other people. Right, right. So, um, I had this conversation with one of my friends. Um, what do you think is the difference between a manager and a leader? If you can point out this, any difference at all? Well, the term manager means more or less you have people who work for you under, underneath you. A leader, you right. don't need to have anybody working for you. You get the whole, you get the whole world in, 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 you know, behind you. There's, there's an inspirational. People have a tendency to think that power means you have to have a large team. That's not true. It's right. your, your ability to influence others is far more important than the size of the team that you have behind you. I've gone from larger teams down to smaller teams, and I've never looked at the, the, size, uh, the size being important. I've always looked at the fact is what is the impact that I can have on the organization and in my current role on my clients. If, if I can have an impact on a client and not have anybody working for me, then I think I've done, done a good job. So a leader is somebody who understands that and who um, is the ability to influence and bring people together. Cool stuff, Mark, really cool stuff. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, I mean, it's I, I, I really appreciate being so candid on my podcast. I mean, so if you want to share some knowledge to your younger self or to young, mm -hmm. young graduates out there, what, what's the one piece of advice you would have to give uh, to share with them? Especially in, the, in this context of uh, 
COVID-19. And, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> this sort of goes with COVID then. I think in the sense that as long as you're breathing, you can always reinvent yourself. I seem to love that. Yeah. Who is that? Because you know what? Um, careers can be in the same company for 40 years of work. You can, if you have a great company, you can do that. But you can also do four different types of careers, 10 different types of careers in your lifetime. Because we as, as, a, as human beings, we change. Our tastes change. Our desires change. So what we might have had a desire to do when we're 20 might not be the one that we have at 40. And maybe you want to change and do something. Don't be afraid to, to, to do that change, to take the change. Because you can reinvent yourself. You can uh, pick up and do new things. And some people will be very happy to stay in the same city all their lives. And they'll be content. And I do not judge that, that person. I was a different type of person. I wanted to pick up and find something different. And I did. And I think that... Uh, people, uh, each of us are very different. You're different than I am. Uh, a young lady on, on, on listening to the podcast might be different from another, another person living far, far away. Um, but the fact is, is that we all have the opportunity to do great things. We just have to take the time and think about it and find something which makes, makes us uh, happy. And happiness is very important because if you do not like what you're doing, don't do it because you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer some ways. You're going to do things. Uh, you know, you're not going to be happy and life is too short. When you're breathing, you can do whatever you want. You can pick up, you can leave, you can go backpacking uh, if, if you, if you want to. And just, I would say, don't be afraid. Some people are afraid. It's, it's you know, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. You, I don't think you'll ever regret it. In my case, I think it's a risk not taking the risk. True, but, true. But how do you build such a framework to take the right decision? Of course, there's no right or wrong decision, especially for, for, for younger people. I mean, this could be tough. This could yeah. be really tough. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you build yourself the values, the frameworks to take decisions at any point in life? Uh, I think it's based on experience, unfortunately. I think... Uh, we don't have experience, Mark. Yeah, People exactly, like me, but, we don't have... But, but this is what happens, is that uh, you said it, you, not taking a risk is a risk in and in, in of itself. I think that um, it, it all goes back to how you're brought up and what, what your, your, your goals are, okay? Um, I don't really know how to answer that question because it's very, very... It's very, very different for each person. For me, uh, if I look at it, when I came here, as I said, we were a bunch of students. I was more or less the only person that stayed in France. All the other people went back either to their home countries or the U.S. The people who, go, who went back to the U.S., I'm sure they make much more money than I do, uh, probably. Uh, however, as you said, the quality of life was the, was the difference. They don't, they aren't necessarily happy. They have less vacation time. They have all this type of thing and they have less good wine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the wine in California is good. But um, I think it, it comes down to the, the, the choice and each of us make our choices on different, different reasons. My choice was to, as you said, pick the quality of life. I prefer the mark that lives in Paris than the mark that was living in New York. 
Uh, New York was far too fast and, and running and paced. Paris is a much uh, slower pace, much more enjoyable. And um, that was my decision. And my decision was based on my experience. And my experience was I lived in New York. I lived through the stress. And then I saw what was happening to me. And I came here. And I, uh, it was my experience that told me. And I think that each of us, you know, you've lived now in several countries. And you've decided, you made a choice for your uh, yourself uh, to take the quality of life and, and are staying here in France anyhow for right now because you, you like it but that's because of your experience and I think right. you, you know each 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 one even somebody who's who's never left their hometown or whatever um, they do have a structure that they've built uh, in, in a framework to make these types of decisions now it, then they have the psycho psychological aspect are they willing to take the risk how, how risk adverse are they? These are all very, very, uh, very hard thing, hard things to to put into words. Though, fam, family, the fact is, is that you know that also plays a very important role in your development and your choices. Uh, some families are very close; other families are less close. Culturals also brings into that. Uh, you know, we're like in Asia, the families all live together. In America. It was our habit at 18 years old, all of the children would move away to go to college. So we picked up when we crossed the United States, which is like crossing a continent, a con crossing continent, because it was still in the same country. So, you know, those, those things are which were for, for me are, you know, uh, are, are very different. Um, I, I was coming from my part of the, my part of the, the culture where I had a strong family, uh, but it was in our, our nature to pick up and move. My parents were, were immigrants, so they had left their home country, which was Ireland, to go to, to the U.S. And then, you know, it was normal in me at 18 to pick up and go to uh, California for, for university and then go back uh, to live in France uh, to the old world, as they used to say, leaving the new world for the old world. So, you know, family does play a, a role as well as the culture. Some, some families are very, very close and that uh, the, the people need to stay local and that's, that's fine, that's respectable as well. But they all, all of these psychological things play, play a role on a person's choices and, and development. And this is where people need to sit down and really think about what they want to do uh, because it, ultimately it, it all impacks everything that we do. Thanks again, Mark. You're very welcome. Being, being, uh, so, so candid over here, uh, we touched really cool subjects. Um, your background is impressive. Thank you for your time. It was really interesting for me too. It's a pleasure. Mm -hmm.